0: I'm sitting here at the CBD Hotel in Sydney with Pete Wells. He tweets at Peter Wells, and we're talking film in 2015. Hi, Pete, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Before we start talking about films by title, a quick word about dates. A lot of films that are released in 2014 in the United States aren't released in Australia until 2015, and a lot of films that have already been released in the United States haven't yet been released in Australia. I'm just a normal person like uh, you, listener. I have to pay and go to a cinema, so I don't any special treatment so some of the films you're hearing you might think are from last year and you're just going to have to forgive me for that
1: and yeah I guess if you're in America then you might have only just seen what we do in the shadows which only came out a couple of months ago in the States that was of course a
0: 2014 film for this part of the world. Thank you very much Pete. So there are some advantages to being in Australia and there are a couple of Australian films that we'll talk about that uh, we've seen that have not yet been released in America. So I'm going to just quickly read out my top 15 films of 2015. Pete, hasn't done a proper list but he is going to say what his favourite films were so my number 15 was American Sniper, 14 Whiplash, 13 Pitch Perfect 2, 12 Straight of Compton, 11 It Follows 10 Macbeth 9 Jurassic World 8 Amy, 7 Legend, 6 Sicario, at number 5 Holding the Man, 4 Wild, 3 Spectre Two train wreck, and my number one film of 2015 was The End of the Tour. Pete, your favourite films? Wow. I, well, first of all, I've got to say that's a great, great list, um, and a really nice
1: list too, because it's got so many uh, uh, Hollywood uh, big, big films. You know, like they're not not the art housey stuff. Like I like the fact that you've included. What do we have here? Um, uh, well, first of all, I loved Wild, um, and I'm really, really excited to see Nick Hornby's uh, Brooklyn, which comes out in 2016 in Australia, already out in
0: America, but. Brooklyn stars Saoirse Ronan, one of my favourite actresses. Wild also had my favourite ever scene of a person putting on a backpack. Uh, well worth checking out if you haven't seen it yet. Reese Witherspoon is amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you've ever backpacked across Europe, which most of Australia has, yeah, that is a really, really great little moment. Um, Alright, so I've going to say, first of all to the audience, I have missed a bunch of stuff because I did, unfortunately, or fortunately,
0: have a baby this year. and um, they, they, She took away from my movie-going time. Listeners, that was 2 minutes 20 for Pete to mention that he had now has a daughter. The beautiful, I say, should I say her name on the air to the millions of listeners? Beautiful Penelope is, is Peter's daughter and she is lovely. Thank you sir, thank you. Well she kept me away from uh, Straight out of Compton, uh, The Wolf Pack which I was really looking forward to see uh, Bridge of Spies, did you get to see that? The yeah, Spielberg. Did see Bridge of Spies. I did see Bridge of Spies and I have that at number 17 on my list, listener.
1: Alrighty, well yeah, I'm kind of bummed out that I missed that one, Um, but I'm I'm sure I'll I'll check it out on uh, DVD or whatever streaming service later. Uh, The Martian. What about
0: The Martian? How did you rate that? Yeah, I I did like The Martian. I I had it at number 19 on my list. I thought it was a very entertaining film, but I also thought it was deeply flawed. And uh, I thought it was more about public relations industry than it was a science fiction romp. And as much as I enjoy watching Matt Damon, and I do, Google Hunting is my favourite film of all time. I thought that there was a lot of hackneyed dialogue and a lot of hand-wringing, and I thought like most films, I thought it was 25 minutes too long, and I-, I thought it was interesting, all the subtext about it's Ridley Scott's love or love letter to his dead brother Tony Scott, so there's a lot, there was a lot of things going on, but I didn't think it was as great as other people thought it was and I'm uh, interested to see that it was nominated in the comedy section of the Golden Globes as well which was to bit by, by surprise well the Golden Globes is an
1: international rort as, as we all know if you've, if you've not seen there's a documentary uh, called Inside the, Hollywood, uh, no, Inside the Foreign Press uh, which is a, an amazing uh, documentary about just how rorted the, the Golden Globes is anyway let's get back to the films so that's what I missed that's what I missed so they, they can't be on my list of best films of the year um, I'll talk about documentary for a second. You men- mentioned Amy. Uh, now, Amy, for me, definitely is my Doc of the Year. Um, I absolutely love that. Uh, if you're an Amy Winehouse fan, or even if you're not, it's just just an amazing, emotional, beautifully well-produced uh, documentary. And when you compare that to Montage of Heck, which I despised, uh, I'm a massive Kurt, Co- Kurt Cobain fan, and I hated what they did
0: to Kurt's legend uh, in, in Montage of Heck. Did you see that? I didn't see Montage of Heck. I did see Amy and I also saw Iris, which is a a documentary feature about a a New York nonagenarian who collects costume jewellery. I thought that was fascinating, but I I was never a big Kurt Cobain fan, so I'm not rushing out to see Montage of Heck. What was the other big Nirvana documentary or Seattle documentary that came out maybe ten years ago now, that also had like Danny Warhol's in it? Oh God, I can't remember. Uh, Sorry, which one? Oh, Oh, we'll have to edit this bit out, listeners. Continue with your other favourite films. <laughs> Fair enough then. Okay, so,
1: I mean, I, I'm sure you've... Uh, I, I've seen you tweet it about it a lot, actually, this year, that, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, the box office has been dominated by prequels and remakes and comic books and things like that. Um, this year, obviously, no exception. I was surprised by how good Jurassic World was. Uh, I thought it was actually... Like, it, it did that really nice balance of, of uh, nostalgia for the original film while also
0: kind of modernising it a little bit and bringing it up to date. I get the feeling that they were influenced a lot by the new uh, Daniel Craig series of James Bond films, which is, at the same time that it's a continuation, is also a rebooting. It, you know, if you sat down there with a pen and paper, you, you could pick up, the strange universe flaws in Jurassic World because it is a continuation but it is also a reboot and so it doesn't really flow but I still thought it was a fantastic revisiting of that world uh, I thought it was comfortably the second best Jurassic film from the franchise series uh, I thought it, it left a lot in the in the tank for, for sequels and threequels and you know obviously the kids were the most irritating um, people I've ever seen on film but it was still very enjoyable yeah absolutely and if you compare that to- to uh, Terminator, which is which was just a terrible
1: mess. Like it, it, it tried the, to do the same thing. There were a lot of nods and winks to the the audience. A lot of kind of hey, do you remember this scene from the first? Um, but this time, it just didn't work at all. And I, and I think part of it, one of the reasons why it didn't work, is um, you don't have nostalgia for that original James Cameron film. If you saw that back in the 80s, you were terrified that the world was going to end in a nuclear war. So th- that's not something you can kind of look back on fondly. Um, and so I kind of f- feel
0: that that's that's where Terminator down, apart from the fact that it was just messy in many, many areas. Also, time travel does not work in film. I've been saying this for a long, long time. Also, just a quick note about the original Terminator, is that people that saw that at the cinema are in the wrong age group now for nostalgia, going back to see a new reboot. Uh, The early 90s is the sweet spot now for people that have disposable income to go and revisit their childhood. People in their 40s are too busy, you know, with kids and wives and other boring things.
1: Yeah, Interesting thought. I'm not too sure I agree. Considering uh, Star Wars just came out, and
0: uh, and that is filling up with people. In, uh, Star Wars is much better at uh, crossing generations than I think the Terminator films were.
1: Well, I guess so. And also, uh, if, if your point is correct, then you know those uh, the 40 year olds can take their kids to Star Wars. They're not taking their kids to
0: go see Terminator. So, you've raised the the question of uh, the Star Wars space opera. Pete, have you seen Star Wars: The Force Awakens? I have. I have. I saw the a midnight
1: screening with a couple of friends. Uh, Um, And uh, I I liked it. I liked it. I think if uh, The Force Awakens sits in this weird kind of... Weird level where if you're too much of a Star Wars fan or not enough of a Star Wars fan you'll enjoy it but if you're just kind of if you're slightly obsessive about the original films but you don't know any of the extended lore then it's all a bit confusing so they introduce a whole bunch of new factions and a whole bunch of new characters that are apparently explained in other media there's uh, you know comic books and TV series and stuff that explain who all these people are
0: but if you're just a kind of nerd getting into it it's like who the fuck are these people and why, why do I care? Uh, I think Thank you for swearing, so I have to add the e mark on the uh, on the podcast, Pete. The first swear word in this entire podcast. The uh, I, I thought that it was incredibly camp. There were all these knowing glances and um, moments of uh, confusion and comedy of errors. It was a bit of Oscar Wilde uh, about some of the scenes uh, when uh, Ray meets. Help me out with the African American stormtrooper's name, uh, Boyega. I don't know his actual character name. <laughs> Super fans here, Finn, 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 and Ray. Uh, there was a lot. Their their love story was um, told uh, with a lot of uh, vacant glances so I thought that was very kitschy I also thought it was a strange there was so much of the story was retold just from the original Star Wars by the way full spoilers here if you haven't seen The Force Awakens by now you're not going to I guess so it. it I thought there was so much of the plot from Star Wars which is recycled yeah not, not so much the plot but the plot points um, you know if, if you played them both
1: side by side um, I'm sure the, the, the plot points would probably even line up you know the the moments where Raya is looking out into the sunset on her on, on Jakku would probably line up exactly to Luke on Tatooine. But that's that's showing how nerdy I am, and we should probably move on. Um, All right, more films you liked? Yeah, so let's talk about some stuff that was actually original storytelling, which is you know uh, an interesting thing for Hollywood to try to pull. very rare these days. Yeah, so I, I guess uh, the big ones like uh, like you, I really really love Trainwreck. I, I think it's uh, I, I was not excited to see it. I went down. Um, I went to the cinema kind of as a it was the only thing on and I I thought fine I'll go along and I loved it I I really think Amy Amy Schumer um, did something interesting with this this
0: movie and you know it wasn't trying too hard but what it was trying to do it pulled off uh, immaculately so I thought Amy Schumer was really on fleek throughout all of 2015 I had Inside Amy Schumer as my number 10 TV show of the year spoiler alert for the TV bit that may or may not have already been played in the countdown Uh, I thought that she was great in the film I thought that I love the way she flipped all the stereotypes. I, I love the way that she played a strong female character that enjoyed going out and having a few drinks and picking up. I think that we see too many films where guys do that and the sexual politics that plays out is very anti-woman, so I love that that was flipped on its head. I thought um, The Rock... Was it The Rock or was it John Cena? I get my wrestlers yeah, yeah. confused. It was John Cena on that one. My, it was the, I thought John Cena's cameo and LeBron James's cameos were absolutely fantastic. I definitely think there's no doubt that LeBron James is the basketball of that active NBA player that has appeared in a film I think he's got real talent bill Hader is great I, I for me I just really loved it I thought it's you know one of the funniest uh, ways you could spend two hours this year absolutely
1: and and it's one of the one, one of the films that I can imagine uh, I've already seen it uh, one more time since it's kind of been released on uh, str- streaming services and I, you know I feel it's gonna be one of those
0: comfortable movies I'll be watching a couple of years from now just whenever I feel like a pick-me-up so I think it was great that we finally put the, that stupid myth about women can't be funny to bed as well, yeah. because I think this is the year when people like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Amy Schumer just completely outshone any male comic out there. Mm.
1: All right, moving on. Um, I, I, I really dug uh, Ex Machina, which is kind of uh, it was the the art house, the token art house uh, sci fi movie that you get every year. Um, th- this was really well done. It was one of the solid, one of the more solid versions of that um, over the last couple of
0: years. I think it could have been. I <laughs> I don't know I think, uh, uh, Ex Machina by the way listeners is a film about uh, a tech CEO who uh, flies in one of his uh, hotshot developers to his holiday house in the mountains and uh, when he when they arrive there Angela, a- Alicia Vikander is a robot and there's sort of a love play that plays out I haven't actually seen this film I'm just uh, inter- interpreting the plot from the extended trailer that I saw and you did it very
1: very well yeah that's pretty much it and uh, they, they it's basically a real live Turing test so he wants to see whether his robot is convincing enough to make a a human fall in love with her Um, and you know it kind of works Uh, look I I won't spoil it too much if you haven't seen it go just add it to your Netflix queue right now because it's definitely worthwhile. Uh, Other films you liked Pete? Um, so, Dope got a lot of love uh, this year, which is a kind of uh, a a, a, to- a story of a kid growing up in you know urban America in the uh, well, it actually looks like he grew up in the kind of late '80s, early '90s, but he just dresses that way, kind of like you. He's a bit of a um, you know he's stuck in that era. So. A very
0: handsome Bond vivant, I take it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, just Dope was one of the films that came out of the early early 2015 festival circuit with a lot of buzz. The other one was Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Earl and I haven't seen dope but I did see me and Earl and I was quite disappointed with that and uh, I also read the book and was disappointed with that as well I I, I do wonder about if the future of you know uh, high art cinema if the festival circuit is proving so poor at predicting box office hits and the studio system only wants to produce sequels and coin book adaptations where where the next big breakout hit is coming from yeah well
1: I mean I was a little bit disappointed by um, me and Earl and the, the dying girl and dope as well. So yeah, it, it was it was a bit of a shame because I had had so much, I'd heard so much going into it that. Uh, so I mean, I, I still think there's a good story to be told there. So if you want to check it out, definitely do. I just say lower expectations if you haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. It's not going to set your world on fire. But the film that did grab me a lot this year that uh, that uh, it was kind of overhyped, but I think it kind of somehow managed to live up to that. Was you mentioned as well? It follows. Um, it follows is one of the best uh, retellings of that 1980s uh, day. Well,
0: it's not even set in the 80s it's bizarre it's it it set, really it's set what... it's set in like it's set I think in today in like a dream like version of the Michigan suburbs just outside Detroit
1: yeah yeah there's definitely a feel of like the, uh,
0: the economic uh, collapse has happened in De- Detroit so there's a, must... there's a big socio-economic play that's going on in this film
1: yeah but then everything about it seems kind of 80s and like even if you watch now, I've watched it a couple of times now. If you watch the cars that drive around the suburb, they're all those kind of 1980s panel back kind of cars. So even the cars are set in the 80s, and the weird, look, like the weird Kindle type of device that she has is of no time.
0: Yes, she uses a handheld device that is shaped like a clamshell, like not a clamshell phone that you might remember, but an actual clamshell, which I, I thought was an interesting addition. Now, for those for those who want, this is a film where I'm very cautious about um, giving away any details of the plot. But it follows is essentially uh, a horror thriller film uh, where a bunch of teenagers uh, pay the price for casual and experimental sex in unforeseen ways, uh, which brings up a horrific uh, final scene, which was like nothing else I've ever seen in in cinema before. It, re- it really was quite disturbing, and uh, but also thoroughly engrossing and enjoyable. And again, I don't really want to give away too much, too many details of the plot but I really do encourage you to go see it but you know dim the lights and and you know make sure you've got a friend there to keep you company
1: yeah absolutely it, it really was one of those uh, one of the most uh, jarring experiences that I've had in the cinema this year I was freaking the, the hell out I remember actually I saw it in Newtown and um, uh, someone went to the toilet halfway through the screening and when they came back in and the door kind of slammed everyone in the cinema jumped that's the kind of tension that we were all on so
0: you'll never look over your shoulder the same way after you've seen
1: it follows that's certain. Okay, so my film of the year, though, and I know this sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but um, it's kind of actually in the same way. It's kind of nice to, to finally say that a film that was a big Hollywood movie was also one of the best movies of the year, uh, and that is Mad Max Follows. Uh, I, I, sorry, Mad, Mad Max, Max, Follows. Max Fury Road. Sorry about that. Uh, we just got interrupted by someone, but um, yeah, it, it's bizarre to to see a movie come out by, what, a 72-year-old that is just that... In- George Miller, listeners? Yes, indeed, it's that in tune and that so perfectly, like it, it, it's, it, I don't know, it was so different to anything. And yes, of course, it's just a remake or a sequel or whatever the hell it is. It's it's hard to even say whether it's a sequel or a remake or a reboot because some of the same actors are recycled, but then they're playing different roles. It's just an interesting work of art. I think it's more of a, I guess it's more of a reboot, but it was perfectly done. Uh, it, it was the most interesting experience I've had in the cinema this year, uh, and for that 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 alone,
0: you've got to give it to Fury Road as my film of the year. Yeah, I I haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road, but I think I will have to, because I do think it will now be in contention for the Oscars. Uh, So, I look forward to seeing how that goes. Now, we're going to have a quick chat about what's coming up in 2016, and the soon-to-be-released films that I'm most looking forward to seeing are The Hateful Eight, Spotlight, The Revenant, Room, and Point Break. Just a quick note about Room. It's not the uh, classic The Room, uh, with Tommy. It's a, a crazy looking film with uh, Brie Larson from the uh, uh, United States of Tara playing a mother of a boy, and the boy's maybe five or six years old, and they've been locked in a room for the entire life of the child. So I'm interested to see how that one plays out. I haven't read the book it's based on. And the other film I'm looking forward to is Point Break, a classic film from my childhood. Pete, what are you looking forward to?
1: Well, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to those. Uh, the one, the the really interesting take on the room is, uh, yes, uh, it's it's the mother and son locked in this uh, room by her captive. Uh, uh, some someone, yeah, captures her, or kidnaps her, but she gets out halfway through the film. So that is spoilers, listeners. No, no, they they actually make a point of saying that that's not a spoiler. Like, don't don't go into this movie expecting that that will be the final moment of the sc- of the movie. Uh,
0: regular listeners and readers will know that Patrick's Law of Spoilers is the the. The extent of a spoiler will be determined only by the spoilee and not the spoiler. Fair enough, then. Fair enough, I do apologise. I, look, I am looking forward to seeing that. Uh,
1: I am looking forward to seeing Brooklyn, uh, which, which again, we, we talked about at the start. I do think Nick Hornby has had uh, an amazing career, uh, both as a, an author and now a, a, a screenwriter. Um, this is another movie that he's adapted. Uh, he, he also did that with uh, An Education, which is one of my all-time uh, favourites of the last couple of years. Just beautiful storytelling. Beautiful craftsmanship, I would say. Um, And Education was one of my favourite films of the year it was released. Indeed. Uh, And of course, Hateful Eight as well. Now, I assume you're going to go see the 70mm version with the intermission? I'm
0: definitely planning on seeing the full uh, 70mm version. Uh, I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, Uh, absolutely loved everything he's done in the past, so I'm really, really looking forward to, to Hateful Eight and seeing it as QT intends. Excellent. Yes, uh, and uh, I'll just say, uh, to wrap it up, uh, I do have a... i I'll, I'll do the segments, by the way, Pete. Fine,
1: but I do have... Well, I was going to invite you to my uh, my premiere of uh, Point Brank, but
0: I don't know anymore now. Well, that's very kind of you. I'll just check my calendar. Now, later through the year, the other films I'm looking forward to seeing are Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is uh, the first film from the Harry Potter universe that's not a Harry Potter film. See, this one's a difficult one for me because I love Harry Potter. I love the Harry Potter universe. I hate Eddie Redmayne. Well, uh, by the time you hear this, it might be two-time Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne, so we'll see how that one plays out. I'm also looking forward to Now You See Me Two. I love magic. I love heist films. Uh, I'm also Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, which is a Tina Fey vehicle that's coming out. Connor for real is the name of the Lonely Island film. Now, Lonely Island there can be very hit and miss, so I, it's possible that could be one of the worst films ever made. But you know, until I see it, I, I won't. Uh, I don't want to death write anything, Andy. Sandberg does. And then, in terms of the big blockbusters of next year, Suicide Squad looks to be the most watchable. It seems to be a very gritty uh, 2010s interpretation of the comic book genre, and it certainly looks much more appealing than Batman vs. Superman, which looks absolutely terrible and ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, for, for years now, Zack Snyder has made a killer trailer uh,
1: for a terrible movie. Uh, with Batman versus Superman, I think he's actually lost the ability to make a good trailer. So, I mean, that that seems to be the downward spiral of Zack Snyder. The, I, I, I don't want to see this at all, but of course I will. Uh, Pete, what film do you think will win Best
0: Picture at the Oscars?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a, a fairly open season this year. I think I think Brie Larson for The Room will definitely uh, is so far the only sure
0: bet. That you've got um, in in any category. I actually think that Cate Blanchett will win Best Actress for Carol, but so you know, there's a second bet we can have.
1: That is true, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Carol might be up. I mean, I, I've not seen it yet. I've got a friend who's seen it three times now and uh, has become obsessed with the movie. So uh, I really don't know. I mean, what what, what do you think? I, I'm sure. Well, hateful eight didn't even get uh, a nod at the the Globes,
0: so that is true. But the Hollywood Foreign Press uh, can sometimes be. Uh, uh, hit- and miss with their uh, predictions especially films outside the normal square so I, I don't I wouldn't hold that too much against uh, hateful Eight that it wasn't nominated I think that spotlight will win best picture spotlights a film about the Boston journalists who broke the child sex abuse scandal in the Catholic Church I think it you know it's all the topics that you want it's hard-hitting it's important it's got Mark Ruffalo in it I think it's a very I think it's a short well not a short thing but I think it's a good bet to now Pete would you like to introduce the next Song in the Countdown. Oh, I'd love to. And who do we have now? Well, Pete,
1: you, <laughs> I've asked you to introduce it. Well, I, I guess... Now, I don't even know this song that well. My most, my wife has become a massive... Uh, Pete specifically
0: requested this artist, by the way, listener.
1: Yes, I did, because my wife has become a massive Justin Bieber fan. Um, and apparently that's not unusual this year. Uh, Bieber's got some new producers on this album, and suddenly everyone has become a Bieber fan. Uh, I've heard way too much of this album. Uh, The song you're about to hear is What Do You Mean? Thank you very much, Pete.